Hey everybody, uh, welcome to episode four of Boy Meets Tech. Today I interview Ben Yerkeson. Ben is the lead organizer at the Jersey City Tech Meetup. We talked today about kind of the, the meetup ecosphere, how it's great for entrepreneurs, how it can really be leveraged. If you're thinking about starting one, how can you start one and monetize it? Uh, we also talk a little bit about his background, uh, the Propellify um, event that happens in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, which is kind of like a South by Southwest for the East Coast. And we also talk about his uh, current um, current role as project manager for PTS Consulting and really what that entails. I do have to make a quick note. Uh, the audio um, on Ben's side is a little um, echoey, uh, so we do apologize for that. Uh, but if you can bear through it, it is a great episode and you'll definitely learn a lot about Ben and especially about um, if you want to start a meetup or thinking about joining the meetup ecosphere, uh, this is 100% an episode for you. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Cameron. I'm here today with Ben Yurkison. Very happy to get this uh, episode four kicked off um, today. I met Ben uh, a few weeks ago. He puts together a, a local tech meetup uh, in my area and saw that he had some uh, some really cool background and uh, I'm doing an event for him next week. So we thought we'd have him on the podcast and kind of discuss his background, um, you know, his um, his place in the tech industry, how being a an organizer of a tech meetup um, helped and also some of his background um, with tech startups. So uh, Ben, it's good to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm excited to be part of the, uh, the first six, we'll yeah. say. <laughs> But uh, so I think we'll start off pretty basic. So I just love to know how you got into the tech industry and uh, uh, kind of what brought you to your journey of, of where you're at today. Yeah, so um, basically it all kind of started when I was making my decision of where to go to college. Uh, when I was in high school, I was I always was into like science and math and tech and just like things that were kind of outside the box, but I never really knew what I wanted to do. So eventually I kind of, after doing some research, figured I was going to go into engineering because that is something that I thought fit my personality, you know, like solving problems, kind of figuring out how things work because that's kind of something that ever since I was a kid, I always try to figure out how things work. I was really good at taking things apart and destroying them, but sometimes I couldn't really like put them back together, but hey, I figured if I got an engineer, it's going to make a learn how, how things work. So uh, I went to Stevens Institute of Technology in Hoboken. Okay. I was a mechanical engineer. Um, started to realize that I didn't really want to dive deep into a specific sector. I kind of wanted to keep my options open and be able to go into whatever field I really wanted to. So from that, I kind of switched to um, engineering management. So that's kind of, you learn the core engineering skills, you get a bachelor's of engineering, but you also learn project management skills, which I thought was cool because then I can work with people in all different industries, all different fields. So I, I like working with people and I, I wanted to get that technical background, but I want to be able to kind of keep my options open. So. So my uh, experience at Stevens kind of my foot in the door because throughout Stevens, basically every other semester I'd work a uh, co-op. So I kind of started uh, trying to figure out what I like to do. Um, had a few different jobs at places like UPS, uh, at Jarchem, so that was like a chemical plant. And um, this is my foot in the door of tech, but every job I had, I kind of went and figured out it wasn't really for me. And I tried all different you know, I tried marketing, I tried industrial engineering, um, and everything kind of fell out. I wasn't really like feeling the office thing. So I think this is when I started to realize I need to like start an entrepreneurial journey and kind of start doing my own thing. So 
after I graduated, um, I started going to this local organization called the New Jersey Tech Meetup. Uh, that's in Hoboken. Which is, at, which is at Stevens, right? Yeah, at Stevens. So it was right at my school. Uh, it was really easy to, to figure. I mean, at first I was kind of just like, didn't really care. I was just kind of checking things out. But then started taking it a little more seriously. Um, I don't know if you heard about Propelify Innovation Festival, but that is, it happened uh, for three years now. Um, it's the biggest innovation festival in the Northeast. And the first year I went there because me and my friend, we kind of knew we wanted to start a company together, right? Because we, we were in tech, we were starting to like learn about things in the entrepreneurial space, but we didn't really know what we wanted to start. So we figured if we go to this big innovation festival, meet a bunch of people, then we can kind of figure from there what we want to do. Um, we get there. Uh, we had a lot of drinks because um, basically there was a VIP section, right? And drinks were $2 in the VIP section. In the regular section, they were $11. So this is me thinking, you know, I see an opportunity here. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become a VIP today. So I basically waited by the entrance there, snuck into VIP when I saw an opportunity to kind of get in there, right? And then this lady who was interviewing everyone in VIP, she ended up interviewing me, asking about what company I worked for. I made up a company on the spot called Fun Finders, where I help people find fun things to do, and I train them on uh, social activities. And then she released that in her huge blog, that's January Diaries. And then once she released that, I was like, oh, damn, I better start this for <laughs> real now. So then I kind of, I started Fun Finders, and that's kind of, this is a long-winded how it all started of, of my journey now. And then I, uh, just kind of last thing, and I ended up, the next year volunteering for Propelify instead of sneaking into VIP and I became close with the founder Aaron and that kind of that world kind of working with Propelify led to a bunch of connections I made and all these all these really cool people and opportunities which ultimately ended up with me now running the Jersey City Tech Meetup which is through a connection I made at Propelify so that kind of goes full circle. So Propelify is like kind of like a festival for tech? Yeah, it's kind of like South by Southwest, but for the Northeast. So it's brought over 10,000 people, and there's speakers, there's like Innovation Row, um, there's there's a pitch contest, there's just a bunch of all different things in tech, entrepreneurial space, uh, and it's just a really, really cool opportunity to meet new people and then learn stuff and uh, meet people in different communities. So, so then how? There's a joke, and then, yeah. and then once it brought opportunity in my life, I kind of I, I took things more seriously after that. How, so how far did you get with, with Fun Finders and, and kind of in, through the startup journey? So that specific one kind of was, a, I'd say, fail. It was a fail, but like, it's kind of not fully done yet. Basically, so I, I took it pretty far as far as we built like a website. We started having a community. We went to events and we're, we're promoting like, we didn't actually get the product yet, but we were starting. Basically, some of the best advice I've heard was that, you know, you wait till the perfect time to actually start building your audience after your product is done. Right. You know, you're not going to have anyone to announce the product to. So I was trying to do a lot of brand building and kind of getting online content, getting people involved in it before we actually had a product. And then we got a website launched and had kind of like, we're trying to make it more of like a spe specific to you, like tell you what to do in any city you go to based on your personal interests. So we started, uh, we got, we got to that point where we had the website, reaching out to local businesses and just weren't getting much much you know response from these businesses and i think that's kind of because um we kind of jumped a couple steps i think we we're just diving right into it and i didn't really take the proper time to actually like 
maybe raise some money and get a get a team place. It was just me and my business partner at the time. I think we were just in a little over our heads. So that kind of was happening when this Jersey City Tech meetup got passed off onto me. And the meetup, this was like I was actually like watching it grow as me and my partner Joe. We started we started um, holding events and kind of building the online community. And this is something that was actually working and tangible in front of me. Right. So for some reason, I kind of put Fun Founders on the back burner. I figured I'm going to use that as a travel blog, sort of like side product, just like for fun, passion project thing. And maybe one day when I make money with Georgia City Tech Meetup, that I could revisit that and actually do it the right way instead of kind of just jumping the gun and going all in before I'm actually know what I'm doing. So was that your only um, kind of venture into a startup on your own? No, I mean, I've had a few others. So basically, I mean, I none of them really took off. So, I mean, there's this Lux Exotics car rental thing me and my buddy started, which was the Maserati, and we were trying to rent it out to people and just kind of make some money off of that. We got a few people that rented it out, but that was kind of just a side thing. And then another thing we started was a Peruvian sweater company because we took a trip to Peru and saw how <laughs> dirt cheap these alpaca wool sweaters were. So we're like, okay, so we need to import these to America and then we can sell them, mark them up like 500% and make a huge profit margin. But then uh, we, found a business, <laughs> we found a business partner in Peru. Um, so basically we had the money and the ideas and all the business, like we were gonna do the business aspect. We just needed him to go there to a market and you know pick up the bulk sweaters and send them to us. Uh, we ended up sending them the, the money and uh, he's gone now. <laughs> Right. But you still, you, so you still have the bug to, to start something and it's like, it's always in you. But like, I, I was, um, I'd love to know kind of, I know we'll kind of touch base and dive deeper into, uh, into the meetup, but what do you, I would love to know kind of what like PTS consulting does like your day to day and then kind of what you, uh, what, cause like, I think I said this on one of the past episodes too. Um, but like we don't have project managers in the food and beverage industry where I came from. So I'm, I'm very interested in like what your day to day as a project manager is and what makes a successful project manager um, and kind of, um, you know, what the role entails there. Right. So basically, um, we do construction projects for IT infrastructure uh, for corporate offices in the city. So basically, any office that's relocating, um, we do things like assist with the design of their AV, um, their IT cabling infrastructure, their Wi-Fi, um, basically anything that goes into the, the new space that's tech-related. We design, uh, we oversee, and then we manage the build out, you know, working with other contractors. So as far as my personal role in a lot of these different projects, as a project manager, you know, you need to first start from the very, very beginning, you know, a proposal comes in for a piece of work that is in the area that a bunch of different companies like PTS will get, right? So we get a proposal for work. Um, we have to come back, you know, we have to create a response, um, you know, uh, request for proposal response that basically says, you know, what our scope of work is, what uh, the pricing is going to be, what the schedule looks like. So basically from the starting, that's the beginning of the planning of the whole project. So that's kind of the starting point is really setting your scope and saying exactly what we're doing. And through a lot of experience with this, I've learned that you really have to nail that down in the beginning, because if you don't, if you don't actually lock down these specific details up front, Clients will get you 
on any little thing, if you didn't say it specifically or their interpretation is different, if you didn't lock that down with them in the beginning, they'll always try to catch you and get, get more work out of you for less money. So this is very important that right off the beginning, you're initially setting the stage and you're actually clarifying everything. It's black and white. Right. And then from there, if you win the work, um, then someone like me, project manager, you'll, you'll make a product schedule. You know, I usually use something like uh, Microsoft Project, but basically you figure out everything that needs to happen over the next however long the project is, whether it's a year or three years, all your resources, you know, if we're gonna need contractors, we gotta figure out who we need to hire, uh, what the pricing is gonna be. We need to um, set, set a structure for kind of the cadence of the whole product. So are we gonna have weekly status meetings or meet with the client and kind of update them and have a product dashboard? Do they want to touch point uh, once a month? So you kind of have to figure out kind of what the communication structure is going to be. Um, and then when we have our team set, then we need to establish what our deliverables are going to be for the project. So basically, you have a milestone schedule. You have your, I'll create an overall project plan that's very, very detailed, but then I'll make something like a milestone tracker. So like our, our high level deliverables that are our major uh, touch points of the project. We'll have a track of that. So every week, you know, I'll look at the project team and I'll say, hey, are we on track to, to get this uh, to get this schematic design uh, for, the, for the AV out in the next week or so? And you got to, and then you got to figure out if they're not on track to do it, what's the reason that we're not on track? Is it something that our team is slacking on or is it something that is on the client side, like delays of something they promised us that they haven't come through with? So if that's the case, and we're gonna be working longer, and it's something that the client is it's on their side, then we need to put in a change order. And I mean, you don't wanna make one dime them, because a lot of, something important about product management is long-term relationships. Okay. So we don't wanna just complete a product to say adios, and then that, you know that's the end of your relationship. You wanna have them thinking about you and they have future work, if they have people in their network that has work, you know? So you, so those are little things here and there to ask for some additional consultation or advice. You, you know, you take it by, by the situation. You don't always want to charge for everything, but if, if there's huge slippage in the project and it's kind of on them, then you talk about a change, uh, change management and kind of how you're going to get paid for the extra work that isn't really your fault that you're doing like that. And if you didn't kind of call this all out in the initial going back to the initial like uh, proposal, if you didn't call this all out and, and lock down what the assumptions were, like that they would get us something within five days or something, then you're gonna be caught and you're gonna lose money because you didn't initially call it out. That's why it goes back to being important that you list everything. Like if this is um, if this is something that happens, then we're gonna have like a, a change process and, and put in a change order for more money. You know, you got to call that out in the beginning. Otherwise, you're going to say something like that. And they're going to be like, no, we never agreed to that. That's not yeah. what's happened. So it's a lot of planning. It's a lot of people management. And it's a lot of just staying on top of everything and not letting things slip through the cracks. Because you got you to stay really organized to kind of, when you have, depending on the size of the project, you can have hundreds of people that are key players in this. And you got to make sure that everyone is working in parallel and kind of getting the job done. Yeah, I mean, and also you kind of have to be aware of like things that like kind of are out of your control, like you said. I mean, you have to plan for that. I mean, when we when we started, you know, we stock it was kind of um, 
we both started in November, like full time. We're like, okay, let's get this launched by January. And then it ended up being February by the time we actually launched. Cause like we had no idea it was like the pitfalls that we were going to really see. And it really fell on a lack of experience on my end on project, project management of really understanding, okay, if this happens, like let's kind of plan for this and that and really making a more reasonable timeline because if we had a more reasonable timeline we would have been able to sync up our marketing and then we wouldn't have it to email all of our you know partners like hey we're pushing back a month like so it would have made it a lot better for us so i definitely see you know where that that comes into play and, and how kind of critical it is of a role inside the organization and one, one point on that is that um kind of how it ties into like entrepreneurial ventures um Understanding the technology and like my background as an engineer, that is hugely important because especially when you're trying to scope out like timelines for certain tasks, if you have no idea what that entails and you're working with a contractor or something, they're going to say it's double the time so they get paid twice as much when the job can really be done in half that time. So understanding the technology is critical, I think, because then you could actually call someone out if, if they're trying to just, you know, get more money from you when you actually know more about what it actually entails and then you can you can properly price it instead of trusting someone else who's just trying to get more money from you. Right, and if you're not on top of it, then there goes your margin on the project. So it's it's definitely tough. But so you obviously have this full time job, but I mean how much time do you really devote to, to starting and really running the meetup? Almost every single night and most of my weekends. I mean, I, I, I'm always like running around like crazy. Like I still, even with all of this, still like make time to like make sure I'm like going snowboarding or like having some fun with my friends. Because if I'm just doing my full time job and then just working on this and that's just making money constantly, it's like I think it's really important that people enjoy life too. Because that's kind of the whole point of all of this is to like kind of be able to like set your own life up so you can live the life you want. So, between all that, I'd say, yeah, most of my nights are for the meetup. So, for pretty much from 6 to 10 or 11 every day, meetup time, whether I'm at a networking event trying to make connections or calling people, I'm, uh, you know, making emails to send out for the marketing or just planning my events. So, nights, and then most of my Sundays, and usually a lot of Saturday too, but I, I definitely try to throw some on activity in yeah. Saturday to make like give myself something to look forward to. It makes me more productive. Like I'm trying to get all my shit done so that I can do that fun thing on Saturday. You know, it's kind yeah. of also some incentive. So what so what would you say kind of is the main um the main purpose of the Jersey City Tech meetup? Um I'd say the main purpose is to reveal to the Jersey City community all the cool stuff that's happening in our backyard that I think people aren't exactly aware of. So there's a lot of really cool startups that kicked off in Jersey City. There's a lot of great small businesses. And I guess what I'm trying to do is put a spotlight on these. So every month we cover a different industry. Like, you know, this month we're doing food. Um, we did virtual reality. We did blockchain. Um, we're doing cannabis. So we, we cover all these different industries. And we really just want to highlight what's happening here so that, you know, Jersey City companies can succeed and, and people can be aware of what's going on. And then I guess the, in parallel with that, I really just like bringing people together. So the Jersey City community, I think there's a lot of people who need help and a lot of people who can help each other and a lot of people who can bring value to each other. And that's why we did something like last time, the speed networking. We just, there's a bunch of people who at the end of it left saying, you know, they met people that are going to be the next business partner or 
investor or something like that. So I'm just trying to, people who I can connect, I'm trying to bring them together and also form more cool stuff happening in the area. So I'm just trying to hook up Georgia City in any way I can, really. Yeah, I, I, got, I don't think like enough people that start off an entrepreneurial like kind of venture in their city look to meet up to really network and enough, you know, like just between New York city and Jersey. I mean, New York obviously has a little bit more, but I mean, the, just the Jersey references alone. I mean, I was at a Jer- the New Jersey tech meetup on Tuesday and, and met a ton of people and I'm looking forward to your event obviously next week. But I think that entrepreneurs definitely have to look to meet up as, as more of a resource because it seems like you can definitely oh, meet a ton of investors, partners, things like that there. Yeah. Because I mean, I think people, um, need to realize you don't, I mean, it's definitely, it's a balance. Like you can't be going to networking events every day and then you're not executing on your project. It's like, but it's so important to have a solid network of people and with different skills and different personalities because I've learned most things in my life. Like it's not what you know, it's who you know. Like the biggest breakthroughs I've made are because I knew the right person who could help me out with something and this and that. That's not to say you shouldn't learn stuff regularly and like, and sharpen your skill set. But I think it's ultimately really important to have a network of people that have different skills so that anytime a child runs away, like, oh, I have a lawyer who I can talk to that will help me with this problem. You know, I have someone who started like 10 different businesses and I've never done this before. Maybe they have some advice for me. It's like, and then as you're picking the brains of all these people, you're becoming more valuable because you're learning these things and then eventually people are going to be hitting you up. And I like to think that, you know, when, you get so much from people, then you get back, and then it kind of just goes full circle. Because I now have some people who are like younger, who I actually have a, a friend who is just starting at Stevens, and he helped propel by too. So I'm kind of like giving him whatever advice I can, and kind of taking him under my wing. Because so many people, like especially like Aaron Price with the NJ Tech meetup at Propelify, yeah. he took me under his wing and like taught me so much. So even though I'm, I have a long way to go, I'm still like at the very beginning of this road. Um, anyone I could help I'm kind of just trying to trying to bring that all back and that's kind of what Georgia City does is kind of helping people on their endeavors yeah another great one I mean there's a ton in the city too like ERA is a good one in the city and they have the food tech meetup um, too in Brooklyn, which is a really good resource. But yeah, I, I would say, so you probably meet a lot of first time entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are looking to jump in. And I, I know I asked you this question before the interview, but what's kind of the biggest mistake you see those first time entrepreneurs make? I mean, there's a, I, I'm not sure if this is what I mean initially talk about, but I kind of like just on the fly, like something that I'm thinking is just like, I think a lot of huge mistakes people make are trying to copy other people. Like, a lack of authenticity, I think, is huge. I've seen so many people who, like, I'm not going to, like, I mean, but, like, for example, if people, like, go to a Tony Robbins seminar, I'm not <laughs> trying to be Tony Robbins, right? Yeah. It's, like, people want to just, like, take these successful people and do, like, as if it's, like, a cookie-cutter thing. Well, but these things are what worked for that specific person. Everyone's got their own system. So, basically, I think why a lot of people fail is because... They're just trying to go down an exact path rather than taking, you know, things that work from different people they follow and like creating their own path and trying their own thing that's outside of the box because these things have already been done. It's a saturated market. If you're trying to do the same thing other people are done, you got to try to think about how you can distinguish yourselves. And I think I've, I've seen a lot of people who are just basically like, I know exactly who they watch too much of based off of their content. Right. And so like, I think people should like try to be a little more authentic with who they truly are and like, really just show their 
personality. I think that's what will win people over ultimately and make your business successful is if you are truly yourself doing your own thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like copying like the like the hustle porn of like a Gary Vaynerchuk or something. Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you got to kind of be, and I think that applies to business ideas too. I mean, you see so many Me Too products, right? Like, we want to be Uber for X or you know LinkedIn for this. It's it's very much just trying to. They're not trying to start a new idea or a new business. They're trying to identify a market that's kind of ripe for for the picking, and and it kind of to me it dilutes the the overall kind of market of what the talent's trying to do right and that's totally not to take away from like gary v's content like he definitely puts out great stuff all the time right but nobody could do what he does yeah exactly but you gotta like you gotta incorporate that into your own life and not just try to be someone else so i think that's important is authenticity yeah i think me and my friends always talk about like like pulling out the message from what someone like that's saying versus like really like kind of the the whole aura uh, around them Exactly. I think that's really the important part. So, so what? So, kind of to touch back on one more question on the meetup. What goes into the? If someone's interested who's listening to this um, about starting a meetup, is there a monet, Is there a path to monetization and for you guys in a meetup? There is, and I think that for these type of meetups, um, it's important to start. I mean, I guess it's a case by case thing, but for me, it's important to like kind of make myself known and build this for free to the people because I think that's critical to like you know you don't always want to be taking something from people like you want to provide value first and that's what we've done like since we've been running this since June June me and Joe and what we've been doing is we're kind of like taking these events like to the next level we're built we've built a website we're kind of doing a big bigger social media game we're just like showing more value and just like trying to grow the numbers of people and now we feel like we have gotten a lot of attention and people are the turnouts are being greater and greater and now we're sort of monetized by having larger scale events like in april we're gonna have a larger cannabis event that's gonna have like sponsors and vendors and things like that that's gonna be on april 16th but i think for people just starting off um i think it's good to just really focus on building the brand so i think it's, it's critical to use tools like social media marketing like some people will trash on social media marketing but i think if you're not using these tools you're gonna fall behind because that is like where everyone is right now and if you want to get one of people you got to be on my instagram posting about your events using hashtags trying to just like do everything to get some people there and then you want to focus on having badass events like you can't be thinking about money first you got to think about how to make your events so good that people can't stop talking about them and this spreads by word of mouth and then once you do that for a few months and you have a solid follow even if you have a hundred people following you and it doesn't seem like a lot but these are a hundred people who come every single month telling their friends about it, they're posting about it on their social media, then you can monetize it and these are people who will be happy to pay for for what you're providing them because they've seen the value and they know it's gonna be worth their while. So I'd say like starting with thinking in mind more about giving value rather than making money. Yeah, and I think that that starts with identifying what you're passionate about and just being exactly. confident in that part. Very cool. So I think the the last question for me and, and the, what we're trying to kind of coin as our last question, but like what excites you kind of about the future of, of tech? I, I think it's interesting with you. Like we, we had someone on from like, uh, from like the, uh, the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. So I'm always interested in like, like if East Coast is more excited about something else than, than the West Coast would be. Right. I mean, I guess mine's kind of general answer. I'm just like excited, like from some of the media, like for example, the augmented reality meetup that we had, they showed how their tools can like 
automate something you would get a computer and like type stuff out. You can like literally see things on this thing and just talk and it like does these things for you. So I'm basically excited to see what t- how technology will automate a lot of the things we do in our daily lives, like things like self-driving cars, like doing your laundry, like think like back in the day, if you think about like the '90s, right? There's so many things that we didn't have that are that we use now that are so that makes life so much easier, right? Yeah. So if all these technologies that are automating these little things then that makes it so we can fully devote our time to what we're at, like our strategy and vision of what we're trying to create rather than doing these little things that are just like... All right, sorry about that. We had a little technical difficulty. <laughs> we're, we're, dealing, we're dealing with it from all fronts here. But uh, as you were saying about like kind of, you know, I, we, we caught everything, but what you're like kind of excited to the most about like the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just a guy who likes automation. Like, I mean, like Tim, Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week. And like things like that, just where you can kind of take your little monotonous tasks out of the way and really just like spend more time with like, your family or working on your project or doing things you love. I want to just kind of see like what how technology is going to make life easier for us in that aspect, so we can kind of focus on what is actually important. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think sometimes people think about stuff that just doesn't seamlessly kind of fall into everyday life. And, and those things that, that are the best are, are kind of things that like it's just so obvious and it just seamlessly falls kind of into what we can use day to day. Exactly. Nice. Well, Ben, I, de- I definitely appreciate it. I'm looking forward to working with you on these future meetups and uh, I'm happy to have you on the show today and, and hopefully you enjoyed uh, kind of sharing some of your experiences and hopefully we'll have you back in the near future. Yeah, it was great. Just kind of listening uh i want to say i didn't have an idea of what i was trying to do but i knew i wanted to do something and if you're in that position just start going to networking events just start meeting people just get out there and that's what i did and then my path kind of formed itself around that so don't be scared to get out there even if you're not really sure what you're trying to do yeah and to everybody in the new york new jersey area we'll post a link up to the uh, in the show notes to uh to ben's meetup and, and we'll definitely give all the links so anybody who's interested in joining uh can uh attend but thank you again ben but thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it, man. All right, appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us for another great episode of Boy Meets Tech. As usual, this podcast is sponsored by WeStock. You can go to WeStock.io or download WeStock in the App Store today to start supporting and requesting your favorite brands and products at local retailers near you. Thank you.